Hey everybody, my name is Nkozi and welcome to the Two Sides of a Coin podcast. This week we're going to talk about two films that have just hit the open market. One is the latest film in this franchise that spans 20 plus years. And of course I'm talking about Fast X, the latest Fast and Furious movie. And another we're talking about is a direct-to-Hulu movie that is a sequel of another franchise that's over 30 years ago. And that is White Men Can't Jump. So, let's get started. With the Fast and Furious movies, the biggest theme, especially from the past seven movies is family i mean honestly the fact that it's gotten to 10 movies is wild and that's not even counting the hobbs and shaw spinoff which puts this at an even 11 if you like me remember when fast and the furious first came out this was a movie about small-time criminals race car driving, and just about people stealing stereos and jacking trucks of electronics that could be sold on the street. So fast forwarding from the original Fast and Furious all the way to now, which deals with international terrorists, bombs, spies, and a secret organization called the Agency Nobody saw this coming. There wasn't a parlay that you could find with even the most degenerate of gambler that would have said, hey, that movie Fast and the Furious is going to span a franchise that is decades long at this point. Nobody would have taken that bet, including myself. So now that we're here, Really, because it's such a long-lived franchise, it's gone from being regular people doing things that regular people could do, albeit some of the extremely skilled people could do, to a movie franchise that willfully and knowingly breaks the laws of physics and turns its stars into literal superheroes because some of the things that they do in cars in space at this point remember in the last movie they went to space in a Pontiac Fiero this movie suspends all disbelief at the door which poses an interesting question for critics coming into this movie how do you review something that's had nine successful movies where each movie has gotten crazier than the last in a movie franchise where no one up to this point except for very few people have actually stayed dead even. We've had two instances at this point of people coming back from the dead where we thought, oh, that person died. Nope, didn't die still alive how do you combat that how how do you review something that is just such a crazy time that to give it any kind of 
critical analysis is really almost operating in bad faith. And I guess that's a question that we're going to answer because I'm going to try and review this movie. So let's jump into it with this latest movie with Fast X. Obviously, Dom and his family are all gathered around the table and they're having a good time. In the beginning of the movie, you're actually introduced to Dom's grandmother, who's played by Rita Moreno, who I love to see Rita Moreno in anything. Huge West Side Story fan. So obviously this movie, they are still these ex-carjackers who are also international spies and thieves that can steal anything as long as it's got wheels on it. So what could be done to really stop them? And really, the only thing that could stop this crew is someone who is just as crazy in terms of everything they do as Dom is in believing in his family. And that's where Jason Momoa's character comes in. As you know from the trailers, he plays the son of the drug lord, Herman Reyes, Hernan Reyes, in the fifth movie, Fast Five. So he's coming at Dom for revenge, saying, you killed my brother. Nope, didn't kill his brother. I was thinking about Jason Statham's character, whose brother got hurt by Dom, because a lot of people have come after this family for revenge. So what does Jason Momoa bring to this movie outside of him being Aquaman in a completely different franchise, which, let's be honest, if they would have made Jason Momoa be Aquaman in this franchise, I don't think it would have been unbelievable. I would have loved to have seen Dom drift a seahorse along a sea course talking about family is aquatic as well. That would have been a new one, honestly. <laughs> well, no, no, no. Let's... Let's get into it. What does Jason Momoa bring to the table? And honestly, that's one of the strengths of this movie. Jason Momoa brings the same energy that Dom does in regards to family. Jason Momoa brings in being absolutely insane. This guy is so crazy. He's not the dour villain. He's not cold and calm and calculating. He is constantly talking. He's constantly providing background. He is like that guy who talks throughout any movie that you see and you really don't like him until, you know, he pulls a knife on you and tries to stab you because that's who Jason Momoa is. The person he reminds me of, and I know some people will say, oh, he kind of reminds you of the Joker. He's not necessarily the Joker. The person he reminds me of is Simon Phoenix from one of my favorite movies, which is Demolition Man. If you know who Simon Phoenix is, Wesley Snipes' character, that level of crazy is what Jason Momoa is operating in. He is insane. He is 
very, very affectionate. He's he if he isn't openly gay, then I don't really know what the term means. If not, then he's incredibly secure in his masculinity. Either way, it's fine because he is flirting with every guy that you see and he's fine because he's still incredibly dangerous he walks into a room you are afraid of him and also you do want to hear what he has to say because he is just fun to be around in this movie there are several times when i was in that movie theater where people were just waiting to hear what the heck is jason momoa going to say now what craziness is he going to bring that's going to make me laugh? That's just going to make me say, this is insane. But that's that's what Jason Momoa brings. This is the villain that this franchise needed. This franchise has gotten so crazy, so out of hand. Like I said, they went to space. If they had a movie where they teamed up with the Transformers and Dom was drifting Optimus Prime... Nobody would bat an eye. It would make sense according to the level of escalation that they've gone through. In order to match that level of energy, you need a villain that can bring that level of craziness that this franchise has frankly called for. And Jason Momoa naturally slides in there. He is insane. Really insane. And... Honestly, it just, it works. It works so well. And it's really interesting just to see a villain that is completely evil and not this super macho kind of guy. He is, he'll paint his nails while he's slitting your throat. That's the kind of guy he is. <laughs> but I, I actually think that works. That works for this movie. So... Another thing that works for this movie, obviously, are the car stunts. The special effects is well in play here. Dom, of course, is able to do anything with a car. Honestly, his car is kind of like Captain America's shield. As long as he's in it, he can quite literally do anything. He can fall from a moving vehicle in his car and crush other cars. He can shield people from flames with his car from an active explosion. That is what Dominic Toretto can do. That's what Vin Diesel's character can do. So it's it's actually really hilarious because the action is always going to be there. It's the one thing that's stayed consistent through all of these movies, which is they all have really good action or driving scenes or that couple of cool uh, car moments that just make you say, yes, this is the reason. This is the exact reason that I am here watching this movie. Also, you have, I think, some pretty good acting. Let's be honest, all of these individuals have really been playing these roles for a very long time. Vin Diesel is still the stoic, macho guy who's also the perfect father, letting his son drive around, as you'll see in the very beginning of the movie. You have a couple of new faces in this movie. Uh, 
outside of Vin Diesel, you also have you have Pete Davidson. He does a uh, cameo. You also are going to have Alan Richson, Alan Richardson, who I liked him because he was in the show Reacher. So I really hope that show comes back for a second season. You have Charlize Theron. She comes in and she plays a bigger role in this movie. So that's always liked. And Alison Brie comes in. She comes in and has a pretty important role. So if there's one thing that the Fast and Furious movies does is it gives everybody work. And there are a lot of actually really good high name individuals that are in this movie that just come in, they do their job, and they raise Vin Diesel up to a little bit of a higher level. So I think that all works. The family bit works. You know, you got Ludacris, you got Tyrese, you got Natalie Emanuel. They come back. You know, you have Han. I'm not going to pronounce his name because... I'm going to butcher it, so just leave that alone. But you have all these characters. Michelle Rodriguez comes back. You have all these people who've been in it from the previous movies. They all come back, and they do pretty well. So I really do think that the cast has just... They provide a nice baseline for any person who is coming into this movie. So I've said a lot of good things about Fast X, I think. So what's the bad things? Well, bad things are this. You're wondering, well, outside of Revenge, what else is the plot for this movie? Don't worry about the plot of this movie. There's no plot. Only family matters. There is no plot in this movie. And it's not that there isn't plot. It's very basic. It has a lot of MacGuffins. That I don't love. And this is what I mean. When I say. It's really hard. To talk about. Fast 10. From a critical critique. If you're coming into this movie. I know many people would say. You're not coming here to worry about the plot. You're coming for the action. You're coming for. All the flashy stuff. You really don't care about this movie. When they're just sitting down and talking. Because when they're sitting down and talking is the worst part of the movie. The best parts of the movie are when there's action. Nothing else matters in regards to the Fast and Furious franchise. Which is completely fair. It's completely fair. You come to an action movie to see action. And you will definitely see a lot of action. And it will be very good action. That does not mean that you can't talk about the bad parts of the movie. The B-plot... With Tyrese Ludacris and Natalie Emanuel's character, terrible. Uh, outside of Jason Momoa when he's doing his monologue, which actually, that works. When it's Vin Diesel and he's trying to act against someone else. Oh, it's rough. It's it's rough. It really is. He's still like, family. <laughs> family. Bro, bro, family. It's 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 like that that's that's his acting now and that's a 
if nobody's going to ask him to stretch, why would you? I You'll hear better acting from Vin Diesel in the Guardians of the Galaxy franchise saying, I am Groot, than you will in this entire movie. I'm telling you right now. So, just keep that in mind. Also, there is there's one big thing I will say in this movie. At the end of the movie, you're going to get one of the biggest problems with this movie, which is something that came up in the last movie. Does death matter? That's all I'm going to say. Does death matter? In this movie, someone gets hurt. However, based off of Fast 9, Han came back to life. So does death even matter anymore in this universe? In the Marvel Cinematic Universe, people would complain about, oh, no one really dies in that universe. People always come back to life. And with Black Widow's character, she has died and not come back. And even when you're talking about, you know, Gamora in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, that's not the same Gamora. The Gamora that we've seen in the first two Guardians and in Avengers Infinity War, she's fully dead. So this is just a different version of Gamora. The Fast and Furious franchise, because they keep pulling characters from previous movies and bringing them back to life, especially with Han, it just makes you suspend disbelief. So I don't know who is alive or dead. The only one person I know who is dead, sadly, is Paul Walker's character. Because if Paul Walker just wanted to walk away and didn't want to talk and didn't want to do anything, if he was still alive, they'd bring him back. Um, so in terms of this movie, I'm going to give it three ratings. The first rating is the enjoyment rating. In terms of enjoyment... This movie is a fine dining experience. If the only thing you care about is the action or the cars, when the movie is doing action set pieces, if that's the only thing you care about, or when the movie's doing a little bit of comedy, the comedy isn't great in this movie also. If those are the things you care about, this is a fine dining experience and go watch it in theaters. If you care about your movies having impactful stories, this is a low fast food. This is a below subpar movie in that regard. The plot is paper thin. And when I mean paper thin, I mean one ply toilet paper paper thin. A swift breeze would break this movie apart. So if the plot is that low, but the action is that high, where does this movie meet? This movie meets overall, in my opinion, in a home-cooked meal. It's not a fine dining experience. I think if you go for its strengths and not its weaknesses, you will absolutely love this movie. If you can't unsee the weaknesses, and if that's the only thing you're focused on, and if you're not focused on the action, you're going to hate this movie. This is not the movie to bring somebody in who did not like the previous Fast and Furious movies. If they didn't like the previous Fast and Furious movies, they're going to hate this one. If they did like the previous Fast and Furious movies, then they're going to like this one. So that's 
that's really all I have to say. Because I want to spoil something big. I'm not. I just, I really want to. So we will leave that till later. And yeah, we will leave it till later. And honestly, I just want to hear your thoughts on Fast X, Fast 10. I want to see, did you guys really enjoy it? Were you able to just turn your brain off and just enjoy the action? Do, do you like the plot? Please tell me. I, I want to hear somebody tell me that they love the plot of this movie. Because that is a very interesting conversation I have. So yeah. Email me. Leave a comment if you really do like Fast 10. Whenever you see a movie that's a remake, it usually falls in one of two categories. The first category is it becoming a beat-for-beat beat remake. Essentially, it is the exact same story told in the exact same way, maybe with some thematic changes, but the storyline is exactly the same as the previous movie. Or you could do a movie that is a slight reimagining of the original movie, where you take the same basic premise, however, you change up certain things around that premise in order to make your stamp on this movie. So, with the 1992 Wesley Snipes, Woody Harrelson, and Rosie Perez classic, White Men Can't Jump, if they would have done a beat-for-beat beat remake, it would have been very, very unadvised here. So they went the second route, which is they took the basic story, which, as you know from the 1992 mu movie, which is you have a black ball player and a white ball player and how they play together in part to hustle people out of money and in part to improve their lives. And throughout that process, they become friends. That is still the basic premise of the new updated version of White Men Can't Jump. Now, there are some differences, and there are definitely some more famous basketball players in this movie than in the previous one. But let's see how this classic goes, especially a movie that is made f or at least the spiritual reimagining of a movie that's over 30 years old. So let's get into it. So in this movie, we start out with Sanakwa Wall's character, who is Kamal. And Kamal is young and he is on his way to the league he is the star he's the guy that everybody's looking to as the next phenom and right next to him we see is his dad who is played by of course lance reddick his name is benji and i have to say you know it really did bring me down a little bit to see lance reddick there he is kamal's father as you know, Lance Reddick has passed away, and I just had to look this up. 
Lance Reddick was working a lot because he has three more movies coming out as well as at least two TV shows and I believe a video game where he voiced all the lines in that video game. So you're going to be seeing a little bit more of Lance Reddick over the next year or so. However, to bounce off of that, what we see is we see he is on his way to being the absolute star that it seems he has the talent for. However, we then do a hard cut and we see 10 years later, he is not this great NBA player. He essentially is uh never was. He never went to the league. You don't even know what happened to him. All you know is he is working a dead-end job. He's delivering packages. He's got a kid and a wife who's played by Tiana Taylor. And he's just treading water at best. At best, he's treading water. He honestly is below water at this point. And after he plays a pickup ball game in the court that he played when he was a kid, he runs into Jack Harlow's character, whose name is Jeremy. And Jack Harlow, you know, if you don't know who he is, Jack Harlow is a rapper. He had one super big hit as well as a couple of other solid hits. This is his acting debut. And honestly, from what I can see, this movie doesn't ask Jack Harlow to do a lot. So he is not the emotional, you know, the emotional center of this movie. The director did a great job of not doing a steal to Jack Harlow for the reference I'm talking about is the Shaquille O'Neal movie, Steel, where it's not a good movie. However, the thing that makes it worse is that they asked Shaquille O'Neal to do the majority of the heavy acting lifting in that movie when he is surrounded by much better actors who, when he is paired with them, he does not look anywhere near as bad. The problem is they ask him to do a lot of acting just by himself with no one there to help mask his lack of ability at the time and lack of experience. In this movie with Jack Carlo, they do not do that. In almost every single one of his scenes, he's being surrounded by a more capable actor. So while he isn't an amazing actor by any stretch of the term, he's not being asked to do an incredible amount of emotional lifting. He's just asked to be snarky and he's asked to fill essentially like one fourth of Woody Harrelson's character from the 1992 movie, which is him being snarky and him being able to get into people's heads. 
that's what Jack Harlow is being asked, and he's able to do that reasonably well. So Kamal and Jeremy's character, they meet up. At first, Jeremy is able to hustle Kamal before they come together in order to hustle other people so that way they could make money in order to get into a big basketball or a street ball tournament so that way they can make some money and improve their lives. So let's start with the good. I've already mentioned that Jack Harlow is decent as Jeremy. He's not amazing. He is decent. Also, uh, Sinaqua Walls or Sinqua Walls. He's okay as Kamal. He's not doing anything that's going to blow the doors off in regards to his acting ability. However, this is a stable job. This is very workmanlike. He isn't playing at the NBA level. However, this is very firmly high G League, if not rookie NBA level in terms of his acting. So I have no problem with the work that he's putting in. As I mentioned before, Lance Reddick is Lance Reddick. He's always going to bring his authentic self. So I really did like him whenever he was on screen. Tiana Taylor, she is really shaping up into being one of those artists that can not only do music, however, she can also act at a pretty good level. It's very hard for an entertainer, in my opinion, to also be an actor simply because while they require similar skill sets, they do not require the same skill set. And I think when you are very good at one thing, that does not guarantee you as being very good at something else. It's like expecting a great baseball player to also be a good football player. Sometimes it might be the case. However, for a large amount, it really isn't. So big ups to Tiana Taylor for holding it down and really playing the role of the not dutiful wife. However, she does play the role of the supportive wife and mother very, very well. Also in this movie, you have uh, Laura Harrier or Laura Harrier as Tatiana. She plays uh, Jack Harlow's girlfriend. As you know, Laura Harrier is from Spider-Man Homecoming. She was the love interest in that movie. So obviously she is bringing some good stuff to this movie. You also have Kamal's friends who's played by Miles Bullock and Vince Staples. They're pretty good. They're not terrible. They're, they're pretty good. Uh, and you also have a couple of really good basketball players coming into this movie. So Blake Griffin does a cameo. Tyler Hero does a cameo. And they're not in there for a long time. However, it's nice to see them when they pop up. So outside of the acting, I really did like the videography in this movie. The cinematography is really good, especially the basketball scenes. They did a great job in shooting 
the basketball scenes well so that way it does not overshadow the two actors they are mostly playing basketball as themselves so they didn't bring in like stunt people or if they did the cuts were very well done so you really believe that these guys can at least play some semblance of basketball and i believe with jack harlow he plays in the nba select celebrity game for all-star week and so he's pretty okay in terms of playing basketball what else is there anything else good i could really say about this movie honestly no however there is a downside to this movie this movie is the perfect example of a streaming movie what do i mean by a streaming movie this movie while it's okay in terms of if i sit down and i watch it from my couch if i were to watch this movie in a movie theater i'd be very mad with this movie and why would i be very mad uh, number one it's not the budget budget is low that's not the big thing the problem i would have with this movie is when you watch a movie on the big screen it's very hard to hide your flaws versus hiding it on a smaller screen with jack harlow you could see that there were times even when i was watching it on my tv that he's being stretched a little bit too much like there were one or two scenes where he had to get angry and you know what he did not come off as being angry or him being you know depressed or anything like that it when he was playing smooth when he was playing in control and calm that worked when he was trying to do anything else it looked like somebody who was walking for the first time like it was just all ungainly and it looked like they were falling a couple times and they were trying to pick themselves up it just didn't look great also i think there are probably one too many uh people in this movie who aren't you know actors by trade and what i really mean by that is i mean uh miles bullock and vince staples weren't great in this movie they were serviceable they definitely fit the place of comedic relief however it felt like the movie leaned into them a little bit too much i think if they would have cut them back a little bit more it would have been in their service because this movie had i think a very bad habit of just going for the joke that half second too long when you are in a comedy which this movie tries to do a lot of comedic elements when you're in that comedy you want to cut off the joke a little bit earlier rather than let it sit for too long if a joke sits for too long that's worse because the laugh has run out and then there's silence whereas if you cut it off just a little bit too soon then you could get the laugh going into the next scene which always you know puts 
a much better feeling on the crowd rather than everybody has stopped laughing and they're just still looking at the scene play out and then it moves on. So this is on Hulu. I didn't have to pay anything extra. If I were paying money for this movie, I would be in a much different mood. However, I didn't. So I will give this movie a low home-cooked meal. If I were to watch this in a movie theater, I would tear it a new one simply because it would not have been worth the price of admission. However, this is just a decent streaming movie. I have to adjust my feelings about movies accordingly because I can't judge some movies by the same standards I judge others. That's just the nature of the beast. This is a serviceable movie. It's a fine movie. It's not worth spending money on. However, if you're paying for Hulu, you're already spending money that way. So getting this as a part of your Hulu membership, I think it's perfectly fine to do that. Any other way, I would not endorse this movie. But if you feel differently if you love this movie please let me know i would love to hear what you have to say in the comments or you could email me or reach out on twitter i would love to hear what you guys have to think thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode if you want to reach out to me you can find me in several places you can contact me on twitter at two sides coin you can Find us on Instagram at two sides of a coin. That's T-W-O-S-I-D-E-Z of a coin, all one word. You can email us at two sides podcast at gmail.com. And you can listen to the podcast on Podbean, on Spotify, and also on Apple Podcasts. So we hope to really hear from you guys. I love to hear and discuss anything you guys want to talk about and We'll talk to you later.